0: This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from the work they do so they can live the life they desire. You deserve it. It is possible. This show features interviews with people who have already created success in their lives and businesses, and stories about everyday people living extraordinary lives. It's time for you to add value. Jacqueline Whitmore is an international etiquette expert. A certified speaking professional and the founder of the Protocol School of Palm Beach. She's the author of Business Class, Etiquette Essentials for Success at Work, and Poised for Success Mastering the Four Qualities that Distinguish Outstanding Professionals. She is also a contributing writer to Entrepreneur.com and HuffPost. Ranked as one of the most widely quoted etiquette experts in the world, Jacqueline's advice is sought by countless media outlets. Prior to starting her company, Jacqueline served as the Assistant Director of Public Relations and Protocol Officer for the Breakers in Palm Beach, Florida, where she was responsible for handling media relations and teaching the hotel staff the nuances of dealing with royalty, celebrities, and other VIPs. Jacqueline, I'm just so thankful that you're willing to come and share with us today and I just can't wait to uh, hear some more of your stories and, and learn more about your journey.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure.
0: Yeah. So um, I just love your starting out story of of how you decided to become an entrepreneur and get started. Would you mind sharing that with us?
1: Yes, it's um, it's been quite a journey. I've been in business, uh, I think now, 23 years and. I started out as the assistant director of public relations at the Breakers Hotel in Palm Beach, beautiful hotel. And I never ever dreamed I would set out to become an etiquette expert. My um, career was in broadcasting and journalism and I ended up taking over the, uh, or organizing the Breakers famous etiquette camp for kids. And part of my job or responsibility was to find the instructor for this camp. I was not teaching etiquette, nor had I ever had an etiquette course at that point in time in my life. And I was 29 years old. I had never attended cotillions or tea parties. I never went to private schools. In fact, I grew up in a little town in central Florida raised by a single mother and I knew nothing about the world of etiquette but long story short I ended up hiring a woman in Washington DC to come to the Breakers and teach our fabulous children's etiquette camp and she expanded our camp and we opened it up to adults and because of course adults need etiquette too. (laughs) So uh, I ended up taking her course. And it was a week-long course. And and I learned everything from handshaking to eye contact to um, how to work a room to how to maneuver a knife and fork. And I really loved the course. And it was actually quite valuable to me because I was working in... Uh, an environment where i was dealing with people of high net worth i was dealing with people who were sophisticated well traveled and what the course did for me is it uh, it taught me how to be more confident in my my job number one but in a variety of situations and when you're when you're from a small town And you go into an environment like the Breakers, uh, there are some insecurities. And I had some of those confidence. I I lacked confidence in certain areas. So this course gave me, um, most of all, the confidence to do my job well. And it also was a little seed that was planted in my mind that later... Uh, grew into a business, so I left the hotel in 1998. And um, the instructor who had taught me encouraged me to get more education, and and I ended up starting my own business in 1998. And I founded the Protocol School of Palm Beach. So that's my story in a nutshell.
0: Nice. Well, tell us about starting your your Protocol School in in 1998, and and how did you get started?
1: I was laid off from my job at the breakers and, um, I was devastated because it, it, I had been there five and a half years. It was a dream job and I had no intentions of leaving anytime soon, but the hotel did some restructuring and my department, um, was no exception. So, I was laid off. So I came home that day and I remember telling uh, my husband I had just gotten married, I mean, two weeks prior, four weeks prior. And I said, I lost my job. And I, of course, I was devastated. And I said, I want to start my own etiquette business. So we ended up converting my attic, our, our, our attic, into uh, an office, and I bought a fax machine back in the day when we had fax machines. I bought a computer and a printer, and that's all I had. And we converted our attic into a little office, and that's where I started my business. And of course, I've grown since then I'm out of my attic. <laughs> I have to tell people that. Said, because people say, do you still work in your attic? No, I'm, I'm in a house now. <laughs>
0: Well, that's fantastic, because those were times when uh, working from home was not very normal. So to to start in your attic and, and do something, build something out of that is just fantastic.
1: Well, you're right. Um, I remember sending out a press release to the Palm Beach Post announcing that I was going to have my first dining etiquette course at the Colony Hotel in Palm Beach. And the reporter who was covering the story, she said, oh, I'd love to hear more about it. Can we um, arrange to have a photographer come to your office? And I remember being a little bit embarrassed because I I said to her, her name was Margie. I said, Margie, I work out of my attic (laughs) and people weren't working from home, like you said. And uh, she said, That's okay. We can just, um, we can just shoot your picture outside. So, but anyway, the photographer did come over and he ended up going upstairs in my little tiny attic and shooting the picture. And um, I I show that picture in my seminars just to inspire a lot of the young people whom I teach. I teach a lot of college students and I help them transition from campus to career. And I think they need to hear how other people, other successful people started and that we all have challenges and and we all encounter obstacles along the way because um, we don't talk about that enough
0: absolutely that's that's fantastic and and of course now you know the newspaper is is our social media feeds right and being willing to put pictures of of where you really are versus you know putting something fake and and inauthentic up there so it's always good to share the the truth of where you started right of what you're working on and, and where you're at and so i
1: think i think so and it gives people inspiration it gives people hope that if if she can do it i can too so i love to tell uh stories on on my mistakes and what and what i've done wrong because it helped me learn
0: nice so one of your one of your classes that you teach is cultural awareness global awareness what what was the background for that and and Why, why is that so much important to your heart?
1: I find that we're living in a global economy now. And when I go to organizations and corporations to teach, I look out into the audience and I see people from all walks of life. I see people who have grown up not only here in the U S but also all over the world. And so I, find that there are some communication issues that take place when people are trying to communicate with other people i mean it's hard enough to communicate with our family members let alone our coworkers who were born and raised in other cultures and countries so i have also I have a love for travel and i was a former flight attendant and i have traveled all over the world. And I'm really interested in, in just people. And so I wanted to, um, teach other people how to be more mindful and empathetic when they're dealing with other people, especially if English is not their first language. We don't always keep that into, take that into consideration that a person who is not, um, Fluent in English, but they are trying their best to speak English. Well, that's better than what I could do. If I go to China, I can't speak a word of Chinese except "ni hao," which means hello. <laughs> so um, there, there's, um, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of cultural awareness that goes into my teaching, and um, I think we need more of that.
0: Oh, absolutely having learned a foreign language and lived in a foreign country, I, I'm much more empathetic than I was prior to that. And I definitely find that Americans in general are less patient and and, and really need to learn that, you know, um, a little more empathy, a little, a little more love <laughs> and patience would go a long way. So that's fantastic.
1: Thank you. Yes, I agree. I mean, we all need patience and myself included.
0: So how has uh, connection been valuable in building your business?
1: Connections are everything. Relationships are everything in business. Uh, For example, I'll give you a very simple example. When you graduate from high school uh, and you're getting ready to go to college, sometimes colleges require references. When you're getting a job, and a lot of us right now are changing jobs and applying for jobs. What do you need? You need personal references. So I, teach people how to nurture relationships and it's, it's not enough just to make a friend, but how do you keep that friend and how do you nurture that relationship over time? And one of the good things that came out of COVID for me was I actually had the time to make phone calls and to email and to write letters and to contact people I had not spoken to in years. And it really, um, It made me feel good inside. I mean, that's a simple way of putting it. But more importantly, when you reach out to other people, then they keep you top of mind. And when you're top of mind, then they're going to recommend you to their friends. And that's crucial for a business person, especially entrepreneurs who are just starting out in their business. It's great to advertise, but you can't always gauge the return on your investment when you're advertising. Plus, it's expensive. And who's got a lot of disposable income when they're starting out? But when you have people who believe, like, and trust you, I call that the BLT factor, they believe, like, and trust you, and they recommend you to their friends, then that's going to be a more solid referral. And uh, whenever I get an email from someone who says, oh, so-and-so recommended you, or I've been following you on social media, or I've been getting your newsletter for years, I know that that person already has a comfort level with me. They already believe, like, and trust me. So it's a much easier way of building a business versus cold calling.
0: Absolutely. Well, and one of the things I think you helped business people and entrepreneurs do is develop their ability in, in relationships and, and in networking. You have a specific focus for helping people, uh, work the room as it were, (laughs) what, what would your tips be for, for somebody without giving away the house (laughs) Mm -hmm. for, for, you know, networking and, and building their list?
1: um you're right i do have a course called master your mingle ability i also have an ebook it's a free ebook if people are interested in getting it they can just go to my website etiquette expert and it's free they can download it and no obligation but i believe that um it's really important to know how to network and you don't have to be an extrovert. So let me just say that first and foremost, you don't have to be an extrovert to be a good networker. In fact, some of the best networkers I know are introverts by nature, but they know how to utilize their skills. And so you can go, you can walk into a room full of people and you can make connections with one or two people and that's really all you need in order to have a nice conversation or to build your business or to, um, find someone who, um, who you can relate to and what networking really is. It's not about what, and you all have heard this. I know many, many times. It's not what, um, others can do for you. It's what you can do for others. So if you come from a place of service and you come from a place of, well, what can I do to help this person grow his business? And I've actually asked people that. At the end of our conversation, I'll say, is there anything I can do to help you um, build your business or introduce you to someone? But I'm, I'm a natural connector anyway. And so um, I, I will share this one tip. If you can focus on the other person and less on yourself by using two words, and those two words are tell me. Tell me how did the two of you meet? Tell me what do you enjoy most about working um, for XYZ? Tell me what did you do when you were in Italy? Did, can you tell me some of the great restaurants you you visited. And if you just sit back, people will tell you. And you will appear to be one of the best networkers in the entire room simply by asking those two words. So there's a tip for you.
0: That's fantastic. So tell me, you mentioned confidence uh, from the first course that you took at the Breakers, but How else did you develop confidence enough to put yourself out there as an entrepreneur, especially in in those days when it was much less common than today?
1: Well, just a lot of times I just close my eyes and and just walk into the ring of fire. (laughs) I think it helps to surround yourself with talented, happy, positive people, and have people uh, who believe in you, who love you, who can encourage you, and tell you you can go for it and you can be anything you want to be. Um, fortunately, I had those friends in my, and I do have those friends in my life. And I also um, surrounded myself with people who I felt could teach me something, and that could guide me. These are people who went before me. and if it, I surrounded myself with good, solid mentors, people who were oftentimes much older than me, much, much older than me because when I started my company, I was um, probably thirty two years old. And in the etiquette world, that's that's fairly young. And I was teaching people who were much older and uh, my mentor at the time was in her 70s and then i had another mentor who was also in his late 70s and i believe that you can just if you if you reach out to people they they will help you and they will they want to help you so i think to answer your question people uh encouraged me the right people encouraged me along the way and i just did it if I fell flat on my face. Well, I fell flat on my face. I said, well, that doesn't work. I'll try something else.
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. Being willing to to fall and get back up is is such a lost art (laughs) now. Mm -hmm. And and I really love that you mentioned mentors and and your ability to, to make a connection with a mentor and how important that was for your growth. And obviously now through much of your work, you're mentoring the next generation in etiquette and protocol. So tell me a little bit about um, just the value of, of sharing your knowledge and passing it on to another generation.
1: Well, I I think there's a lot of value in sharing my knowledge and passing it on to the next generation. In fact, I even teach other people how to build their own etiquette business. And I've been asked many times, well, aren't you teaching your competition? And my answer is, well, I suppose, but we're all different and we all have our different skills. And I believe there's enough work to go around for everyone. And I come from a place of abundance and not scarcity. And I also believe that the more you give, the more you get. Uh, all those things that you've read about, that's what my belief system is. And so when I go out into the world and I have an opportunity to speak in public, I share my story. And that's one thing that I have that no one else has. I have a unique story. You have a unique story. And no one has your story. And that's the one thing that differentiates you from someone else is your background, your stories. And so etiquette is etiquette. We all can teach. I can teach you how to maneuver a knife and fork and you can teach it somebody else, but it's not how you do that. It's the stories that you pour into that. And that's what brings your content to life. And that's what I love to do. And that's what inspires and motivates people is your stories.
0: Wonderful. So now tell me about the favorite place you've ever visited or two or three. Well, there are
1: just way too many to um, to 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 pinpoint, because, like I said, I used to be a flight attendant. And then with my business, I've traveled all over the world. But I love Asia and I love China, Japan. I love Thailand I also love parts of Europe, Italy, Switzerland, Greece. Greece is one of the most beautiful places on the earth. I love places here in the U.S. Um, it, there, there's just so many places that I still want to go and, and explore and see. And I love Australia. <laughs> um, it's So it, it just all depends on what what my mood is, I suppose Um, (laughs) for now um, when the world opens back up, I want to spend more time in Europe because I've spent a lot of time in Asia. So I want to explore places like Scotland and Ireland. I've never, well, I've been to Glasgow, but it was a a quick layover, but I want to spend more time there and um, maybe go to someplace exotic like Iceland (laughs) So, nice. uh, yeah, let me while we're on the subject of travel, let me also say to your viewers, there are two topics that everyone likes to talk about. Those two topics are food and travel. Everybody uh, has to eat. A majority of us love to eat. <laughs> Eating is a communal activity that brings us together. And everyone can relate to food and travel. Everybody either has been somewhere or they want to go somewhere. And people dream of going to a destination. So those are the two topics that I find when I'm teaching networking that will open up a a world of conversation.
0: Absolutely. That's fantastic. So let's talk about um, attitude as I mean, obviously, you're grateful for the opportunities you've had to visit so many places and learn so much about the world that that many other people haven't experienced. But what other ways has gratitude been beneficial for you?
1: Well, uh, gosh, that's a that's a really tough question. I. Because gratitude means something different to everyone. I mean, I can wake up in the morning and say thank you, thank you, thank you, And that can be a simple prayer of, of sorts. But I think what I what helps me stay focused and what helps me stay grateful is just staying aware staying aware of what's going on around me and, and the, the things I'm surrounded by. I mean, I've created a, a home. I, I, I don't know if you can see in back of me, I have windows all around me and I sit in this office and I look out these windows and I see the birds. I see the butterflies. I see the pretty flowers. I mean, that may seem so minute and mundane to so, so many people, but For me, this is what uh, fulfills me and makes me happy. And those are the kinds of things that I'm grateful for. The warm cup of coffee in the morning, the soft bed that I lie in each night, my dogs who are snoring right now as we speak, (laughs) the people who come in and out of my life, Uh, friendships are everything. So I make it a point to keep gratitude at the top of my agenda. And I know it's hard for a lot of people, especially if you have to battle traffic every day or you don't have, um, no one has the perfect life. And because I work from home, I have fewer distractions than someone who has to go into an office and deal with people. And I understand that can be quite, quite challenging. But I think if you just keep the little things in mind, the tiny things, I mean, the fact that you have clean air to breathe and clean water to drink and um, a car that starts in the morning, (laughs) I mean, start small that's what i do i try to focus on the small things not that i have a certain amount in the bank or or that i i mean i try not to focus so much on that that's that but money is a byproduct of doing what you love but that's another subject
0: <laughs> well absolutely well i like that awareness that's a great way to view gratitude just being aware of there's so many things that we can be grateful for that we many times overlook and so that's that's fantastic and i love that you you know the birds and nature and for me walking every day and today we actually saw four families of ducks like mamas with their little ducklings and it's just yeah i'm grateful for that in the middle of a city that i could see ducks and ducklings and and yes and you and an when
1: awareness. You're in awareness city like you do you have to program yourself to look for the things that are, that are out of the ordinary how many people how many of us actually look up when we're walking <laughs> we don't look, look up oftentimes we look straight ahead or we look down but if you look up you can oftentimes see things that will make your entire day I mean a cloud that's in the formation of a heart I mean I've seen that before I took a picture of it. Or you just look up and inside this, the branches of a tree, you see this beautiful red cardinal. Um, Those are the moments. Those are the little tiny moments. And we all have phones now. And we all carry phones with us almost at all times. And if you start to think about all the wonders that you see on your walks and photograph them, I mean, I've got a friend in... um, the Willamette Valley in Oregon, all she does on her walks is she photographs flowers. And I don't mean she just takes a picture of a flower. She takes her phone, her camera on her phone, and she goes deep down inside the flower, like inside the flower, and she takes the picture. And it's amazing what that flower looks like in detail. And she posts those her photos on social media and everybody just looks forward to those photos.
0: Well, and it's just another level of awareness, right? Just actually, you know, paying attention to the things around you and, and, and finding beauty in, in what everybody else would say is the ordinary. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. True.
0: Absolutely. So obviously you love travel. You mentioned your love of food. So, so what, what would be your favorite dinner?
1: Well, my favorite dinner, I can't have anymore because my mom passed away back in 2009. But when she was living, now my mom is from the South, as is my grandmother. Um, My mother's side of the family is from Georgia. My dad's side of the family is from North Carolina. Hence the little bit of accent that you hear (laughs) in my voice. So when uh, I was growing up, my mother used to make these um, fried pork chops and rice and tomato gravy. That was my favorite meal. <laughs> I love that. And I can't duplicate it. I just can't. And um, plus I, I don't eat like that anymore. I don't eat as, I, I don't eat as much fried food as I did as a child. So um, that is the one memorable meal that I would say if I could have it again, I would love to have that again.
0: Nice. That's so fantastic. So what do you love to do in your free time?
1: Well, um, when you're an entrepreneur, you don't have a whole lot of free time because you're constantly working on your business and you love doing it because that's your business. And I mean, we've heard the old saying, I'd rather work 80 hours for myself than 40 hours for someone else. So I, uh, when I do make Free time. I love to go visit friends. I love to go visit family. I love to um, see shows, live shows. I love music. Uh, I do go to the gym at least four times a week. That's uh, another outlet for me. I love walking my dogs, although that's a chore every day. But (laughs) when I take them with me to these fun places, that's fun. And um, I guess that's, I I cook. I love to cook. Um, I I inherited that from my mother and my grandmother. What can I say?
0: (laughs) Nice. Now you're just trying to cook a little more healthy rather than Southern.
1: (laughs) And I'm not cooking as much anymore because during COVID I cooked all the time. So I got burned out on it. But now um, I love to I won't say I love to garden because when I get out there, um, it, some people say it's therapeutic. For me, it's not therapeutic, but I do love to conceptualize and plan a garden and then have somebody else do it.
0: <laughs> I like it. That's, that's how I would make a garden too. <laughs>
1: So I have of, a very pretty garden, but I envisioned it. And then I have a friend who lives down the street. He's an elderly man who loves doing gardening, and he he comes and he puts the mulch down and and plants new things. And so um, that's what I enjoy.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, one of my early entrepreneurial goals was was pay somebody else to mow my lawn, <laughs> and and it's just similar, right? I like a mowed lawn and just don't like to be the one having to mow it. So Right,
1: right. Because it takes you away from the things that you do enjoy. And um, I don't have any children, so I can't say, well, I spend time with my kids because I don't. And um, that takes a lot of a person's time, spending time with their family and their children. And um, so when you're when you don't have children, then I guess your time is your own. but then again, you you um, have the luxury of doing those things that make your heart sing versus um, mm-hmm. focusing on other people and and also too, I'm at the age where if my parents were living, I would have elderly parents, so both of my parents are gone. So I'm at an interesting point in my life that it's all about me now. I mean, that sounds so self-centered and selfish, but it is because my parents are gone. I have no children. Um, I have two little dogs. I do have a wonderful fiance, um, but my time is pretty much my own. And for me, that's that's very satisfying.
0: Nice. Well, and I know that you've, You've transitioned in in your life a couple times, and now you've taken that transitional experience and created uh, a coaching program where you help others create a fresh start. And so, w- would you want to share the background of that, or tell us about your fresh start mentoring?
1: Sure. So, um, I um, live in a little town called Mount Dora which is near Orlando. uh, People refer to it as Mount Dorable (laughs) And but I didn't always live here. I've lived here about six years. Prior to that, I lived in West Palm Beach, Florida, where I was married for 17 years. I had a very successful, happy marriage. However, some of the best things in life have expiration dates and uh, we parted ways. We're still friends, but we parted ways and I moved to Mount Dora to be closer to my sister who lived here and when i was in the separation phase of my um in before the divorce i moved up to mount dora and i moved into a boathouse and i lived on the water not a houseboat but a boathouse a house on stilts in the water it was something so foreign to me but it was quite an adventure would wake up in the mornings and see the alligators swimming by and the fishermen coming right to my back door. And it was really a marvelous experience. So I never left. I never left Mount Dora. So here I am. And so I feel that there are a lot of, um, women particularly who are going through that same phase in life. Uh, the kids leave the nest. They, um, they want something more for themselves. Maybe they're, they've hit, um, their late forties, early fifties, and their marriage has dissolved. um, And now they're wondering, now what do I do? Or they're transitioning from the work world to retirement. And they don't feel that same sense of satisfaction that they felt when they were working, because when you're retired, nobody's there to pat you on the back and tell you, you did a good job. So there's this void that, um, people feel when they go through a loss, loss of a job, loss of a relationship, loss of a family member. And so I went through that um, and I was in my early 50s when it happened. And so I started doing some coaching for people who are going through that transition in life and um in fact i'm working with uh, someone right now who is transitioning from the workforce to retirement so um it's a very rewarding part of my business it's not all that i do but it is a part of my business that i started after i moved here to mount dora and um so i call it the art of the fresh start
0: that's fantastic i I recognize now in my later years, my mom now has Alzheimer's, but I recognize now that when she left the workforce, she lost not just a big support network, but she lost a a big group of people that were telling her every day, great job. Hey, good job. Oh, you, you know, you're doing terrific. And, and then she was at home with, with, with dad, but, but dad isn't the, the praising type and and wasn't wasn't feeding that or encouraging that and I think it really had an impact on on her development of Alzheimer's and and just really recognized that that's a that's a challenging transition mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of help out there for folks <laughs> in, in that transition and I wish I would have recognized it sooner. Um, so that's fantastic that you're offering you know services for folks that are in that kind of transition.
1: Well, you're right. People don't talk about it as much. In fact, uh, people don't even talk about the pain of divorce. Um, When I was going through divorce, of course, there's a lot of shame, embarrassment associated with that. And um, the first time I really realized it, and I'm getting off on a tangent here, I know (laughs) this isn't really the theme of your program, but um, what society tries to do is put us in a little box. And so when I went to my dentist appointment, for first time after being divorced, they have this intake form that you have to fill out. And on this intake form, it asks, are you single, married, divorced, and widowed? Now, I can't even imagine after losing a spouse, having to check that widowed box. I mean, how painful is that? to to those people. And so um, I feel that people don't talk about this transition enough and that we all need to get um, some support in some way for for making those transitions in life and being being an entrepreneur and starting your own business is a huge transition. Going from working full time at the Breakers to working by myself every single day and and I being by myself all day that was very very challenging. And people just don't talk about the challenges of change as much
0: as as we should well and and the loneliness right because you went from the breakers where you saw hundreds of people a day and you greeted people and you smiled at people and you probably hugged coworkers, and 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 now you're working in your attic and yes there's no hugs there's no smiles there's no hey how are you wave so yeah that could that's incredibly challenging and i I know the same thing happens in a, in a divorce, right? The mm-hmm. friends get split in half, the others get split in half. And, and and a lot of the relationships you had disappear in addition to the marriage, of course, which is challenging enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree. Those transitions are, are very challenging. And as an entrepreneur working alone, even more challenging because you have less and less people to to share that with, to, to vent with. And so. I think there is some room in our culture for some coaching and help in those, in those transitions and areas and, and how good that that you've added that aspect to your business, because you've experienced it and you want to share that experience and help others, you know, just walk alongside others in that experience. And so that's, that's fantastic. So here's a, a little more challenging, maybe how, how important is character as an entrepreneur?
1: Well, if you don't have a good character, you don't really have much of anything. And um, character is what really defines us, I think. I mean, that's probably not the dictionary's definition yeah. of it, but I'm just giving you Jacqueline's definition. It's, it's, it. To me, character is um, your your morals, your principles, your values. What makes those things that make you as a person. And um, when you're choosing um, a dentist, for example, or you're choosing a um, an auto mechanic, I mean, you want someone who's qualified, obviously, but you also want someone who has a good character and who follows up and who keeps his word and who um doesn't overcharge you so i think character is very important and so that's why i wish they would teach more character building programs in our school system because children need to know what character is and how to develop it and etiquette is just one aspect of character there's so many others trust and and, and I could go on and on, but um, etiquette is just one facet of that.
0: Absolutely. So what inspires Jacqueline?
1: Well, I love to be working on projects, um, whether it is planning a new garden or whether it's writing a new book or it's launching a new product. I like to always, I'm a big picture thinker. And there are lots of different tests out there that um, you can take to find out what um, how what motivates you. And I just took a test recently. It's called the Colby. It starts with a K, the Colby test. And I was really surprised at my results. My my highest score was in. Um, um, Oh, I can't even think of the name now. They call it an eight. That was my score in the first column. But what I am is I I love to research. I was shocked. I mean, I know I love to research, but this was like, you're really high on the score. And I liked history and I like to dig and investigate and find out, well, what is, okay, if we have a problem, well, what is the root of the problem? So, um, what can we do to fix that problem so i like the investigation part and i took an investigation reporting class in college and i really enjoyed it so it's all starting to make sense to me
0: <laughs> nice so always good things. when it ties back
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely
0: so what what is your big dream
1: Well, I kind of, I'm living my dream right now. I think I'm in a really good place. Um, Do I want more? Always. I mean, um, but I don't want much more. I have spent the last five years creating um, a nice home for myself and my pets. I've created... um, I've just created a world that I'm happy. Um, Would I love to do more traveling? Absolutely. Would I love to live abroad? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Those, I guess you could call those dreams. Living and working abroad would be fabulous. And um, of course, having my etiquette programs picked up in different countries. That would be amazing. That's a huge big picture goal. But right now I just focus on the everyday and just what makes me happy every day. And, and, um, try not to get bogged down with what's going on in the outside world, because I think that can really depress us and suppress us when we're thinking about all the negativity out there. And, um, I like to concentrate on, well, how can I make an impact? How can my products and services and and my advice and mentorship make an impact? And a lot of times I don't even realize it until someone writes me a nice little note and says, well, you know, I've been I remember what you said about this, this and this. And those are the kinds of things that I would like to see all of us do more of is reach out to people who have made an impact in our lives and just send them a note and let them know, hey, just wanted you to know that advice you gave me back in 1996, it really worked.
0: (laughs) And what a powerful exchange of energy, right? Giving that gratitude back and and just, you know, helping somebody recognize the impact that they had. Um, I I think that's just such a a great way to just help people feel better, right? Like that they wouldn't help but smile receiving something like that so that's that's terrific. So yeah. now you've got uh, a young entrepreneur sitting across from you looking you in the eyes with their dream and you get the chance to share your words of wisdom. so what are Jacqueline's words of wisdom to an entrepreneur? <laughs> The-
1: well, I share this at, in every one of my seminars. I call them Jacqueline Whitmore's wit bits. Okay. And, um, so these are the three wit bits that I share. And I already shared one with you today is surround yourself with happy, positive, talented people, because that will rub off on you. Um, and if you surround yourself self with people who are smarter than you, you're going to learn from those people. Don't hang out with the turkeys when you can soar with the eagles, so to speak. Uh, Nothing wrong against nothing against turkeys, by the way. I love turkey for Thanksgiving. But anyway, Uh, so number two, never stop learning learners are earners the more you learn the more valuable you become and the more confidence you gain too so always know that school is never out so whether you listen to podcasts or whether you take an online course or uh, always or you read a book always try to be learning and lastly is keep an open mind minds are like parachutes They only function when they're open. And so you mentioned in today's interview about how impatient we are. We are. But if you just stop and think, um, maybe the cashier that is checking your groceries is having a bad day, or maybe that person lost their mother who is rushing around in traffic, or maybe the neighbor who doesn't speak to you is going through his or her own um, physical or mental challenges. So keep an open mind because n- everybody is either going through something will go through something or they have gone through something so um and then also keep an open mind when when you you travel not everyone does things like you do (laughs) so um everybody's different and that's what makes the world go round
0: absolutely well thank you so much this has been such a great conversation and i Appreciate learning so much from you and, and having the opportunity to share your wisdom um, with the world. So thank you.
1: Thank you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with the world.